Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We have a lot coming your way on this episode. Tyler Calvaruso, a resident recruiting expert, will follow up on our Wednesday conversation when he gave us a few names to be on the lookout for with his first junior day event coming to Penn State, back-to-back-to-back weekends in Happy Valley. Well, there will be a big group of recruits on campus starting this Saturday. Calvaruso is going to join us again a little bit later on this episode with a few more names to focus on as we set the stage for that event. Looks like it's going to be a big one. It's snowy here today and Friday. Fortunately, uh, the, the storm maybe came a day early in terms of trying to get recruits safely to campus. So plenty to come on that. But we begin this episode with a familiar name, a familiar face for Penn State football fans and followers. And Caden Wallace is set to join us. He hopped on this podcast prior to Penn State enrollment as he was concluding his career at the Hunt School in Princeton as a top 24-7 prospect. And now he joins us just a few weeks removed from the end of his Penn State career, which featured four years as the starting right offensive tackle. And set to join us now. As I said, it's snowy, it's cold, it's cloudy here and in his old home base. And now he's down in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's sunny and warm, getting ready for the NFL. Caden, thank you so much for hopping on with us. And I and, uh, hope you're enjoying that that change of pace with the weather for yourself. I truly am enjoying it. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy to have you. As I said, a, a lot can happen in five years. A lot did happen for you in five years, but it's good to get you on the other side of your career as we had you coming in uh, to campus and on this podcast. And I guess to begin, can you kind of just give us what the last few weeks have looked like for you since you wrapped up your Nittany Lions career and, and officially embarked on NFL draft preparation? Yeah, so I've honestly just been really focused on my combine training and um, getting my nutrition, my recovery, my strength, and my drills and stuff correct so i've been having a really great time out here in arizona really enjoying working out at excels with all these guys and i'm just really enjoying it. a lot to talk about with your career but is it a strange transition going from being one of more than 100 guys in a locker room for the last five years of your life and before that being part of a high school community in a high school locker room to go to kind of being a mercenary of sorts right now you're you're an individual you're you're kind of working a lot i, I would guess away from the crowd is it a bit of an adjustment? 
it is a, a small adjustment for me, um, especially being the type of you know people person that I am, having so many teammates that I'm connected with. Um, and then going from that to being in the desert, you know, working out uh, with guys I don't really know. So I ended up building great relationships with the guys out here. Um, and it is sort of like a team environment already. Um, but definitely not being with my guys has been a, a big change for me. Now, are there any Penn State guys down there with that same workout facility? Yeah, I'm out here with Chop, Chop Robinson. Okay, and then I'm going to ask about him a little bit later because I know you two sharpened each other up the last couple of years in the practice field. Um, but but going to your NFL draft outlook, how much did that realistically change in 2023 for you um, based on the feedback you've received, based on the feedback maybe Penn State coaching staff received? How much did you help yourself in that regard in 2023? From what I've heard, I helped myself out a lot. Um, I've shown that I'm able to grow and learn um, and improve from season to season. And um, I'm prepared to do that at the next level. Again, I can't wait to do it at the next level. Your growth season to season to season is something that has stood out. And, and certainly your senior year as a fifth year senior, um, you know, whether you look at pro football focus ratings or just the, the words out of the mouth of your coaching staff and teammates, uh, it's apparent that you made a leap. Can you kind of talk us through? I know you and I have had conversations over the course of your last season here and dating back to, to Atlanta in December. But for our listening audience, what do you think was really at the forefront for you in making those market improvements as a fifth-year player? I'd say for me, my my biggest step forward was in my preparation and just in my focus, um, being able to lock in at certain moments and understand what the task is and understand what I have to do to help my team succeed. Um, it just really helped me take a major step forward this year. And then, like I said, in terms of preparation, um, the amount of film study that that me and Olu and the other guys have done this year is paramount to the other years. So I think that really helped us out as a unit. Was there a moment where the the switch kind of flipped for you or you had a, an internal dialogue or was it just a progressive, natural thing? Or maybe it was a hard conversation with a member of the coaching staff last winter. Why was this year and, and you were talking about it back in the spring even uh, of 2023 that, that you just felt like you brought a new mentality to the field, to the game. Why did that happen? I think with just life in general, like I, I kind of just realized that there's there's no one coming to help me or save me or anything like that. And that it was all on me to lock in and, and achieve my dreams, dreams, achieve my goals. You finished out the, the previous season in 2022, getting back in the Rose Bowl after missing, I believe, the final five games of that regular season. So how would you describe your status, your kind of confidence level going into 2023 considering uh you know there we, there was openly going to be some competition for that right tackle job which you had held for some time um and you were coming off of a, a stretch for the first time in your college career that you weren't available to play yeah i mean i definitely when i got on the field in spring ball and in camp i wanted everyone to know and feel comfortable that that i'm that guy um and i feel like i did that um and in that same breath that really helped me out with my own confidence and, and my own skills so it was really just a big improvement from the time we got back in 2023 and, and did our winter workouts and spring ball to, to now. How would you assess your body of work through your first four years in Happy Valley? Uh, three of them as a starter. Um, I know that you've been self-critical at times, especially this year looking back, but how would you kind of sum up your first four years, the, the success, the struggles, maybe the roller coaster nature of it? Yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster, um, but I feel like that's what, the game is to me at least um i've never heard of a good story where it's all up the whole time you know 
Like, there's no good superhero movies or any action movies where nothing bad happens the whole time. It's just we're winning, we're winning. Like, you know, yeah. I feel like the the down part is what propelled me into coming up, and I I'm so grateful for every challenge that I've had and everything I've had to overcome throughout my time. I appreciate that perspective. Good analogy too. And 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 what do you take most pride in? And now that you have a chance to to kind of catch your breath a little bit, I'd imagine and look back at your Penn State career. Um, and, and that will happen more in the years to come as as it sinks in further. But what are you particularly proud about the way you finished your time here on campus? Um, I'd say my ability and really most of the offensive line's ability to protect Drew um, in his first season. He wasn't getting a lot of hits that um, that I, at least to me personally I would have given him in years past. And Drew being such a young quarterback, I need to feel comfortable back there. Um, so looking back on it, I'm just I'm just happy that that I got to be a part of something bigger. Honestly, I mean the the, the sack numbers were pretty insane back in 2021, uh, which was your second season as a full time starter. Uh, Penn State ranked 90th nationally and last in the Big Ten, giving up 34 sacks. This past regular season, uh, this past season, I should say, top 20 nationally, uh, time is Phil Troutwine. So can you take us inside maybe the evolution of this room under his guidance? Yeah, Trout, I mean, from the ground up, from the first day that he got on campus, we bought in. And that's really what it boils down to. He, we, he had a mission. He had a clear mission. And we followed it. And, I mean, it's clearly working. Like, the, the stuff that he teaches us the type of techniques, whether it be mental techniques or physical techniques, he's an amazing coach. He really is. If I, if I recall correctly, he gets to campus and then two months later, COVID strikes the United States and you actually don't have a padded practice under Phil Troutwine's direction until maybe October of that year. So what did that start to the process do to the group and, and how were you able to kind of collectively year by year kind of recover from that and build off of it? Well, Trout did a really great job when he first came in of giving us like homework and, and things so that when we were able to pad it practice, it wasn't like we were starting from the ground up. Like he gave us videos about the drills we were going to be doing and like we were locked in. Like we just had so much energy and intensity towards the process that like his his leadership just propelled everyone and, and we carried it out throughout each season. Um, and just being able to connect with him on a deeper level than from coach to player um, is, I feel like, is what really sets our room apart. Also in that room and in the room's leadership, you added Frank Leonard a, a couple of years back. And he's a guy that has you know about four decades of coaching experience. It extends to the NFL. It extends to various Power Five programs. And, and he had worked with Phil Troutwine previously at Boston College. What did the addition of him to that staff? And he's a guy that I've loved seeing at the prospect camp. He's a yeller. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of that. What did he? What's the element that Frank Leonard provides in that room, and how does he and Troutwine kind of maybe play off each other? Because Troutwine's a guy that I'm not sure I've ever heard really, really, truly shout and yell at a player, and I've seen Frank Leonard almost exclusively do that when he communicates with players. Well, I, I kind of consider Coach Leonard like I don't know if you've seen Kung Fu Panda. I know you have, a kid, but I consider um, I consider Coach Leonard like my master Shifu. Like he's a strict dude, he's high energy, he's yelling, but at the end of the day, like he is there for us at all times. He only wants us to get better. And adding him definitely helped propel me like through these past couple of seasons. He's such a major source of energy for our O-line group. Um, he has so much knowledge and wisdom towards the game. He, he's amazing. 
truly amazing. You had a chance to, to finish your college career uh, back in familiar soil for you. Uh, you, you had uh, childhood memories uh, in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area down in Georgia. Uh, you remembered seeing your older brother uh, play football down there, and then you began playing football yourself. I had a story about that right before the Peach Bowl, but for our listening audience, what did that mean for you to kind of go full circle where you fell in love with football from what you told me to finishing out your Penn State career in the same city? I couldn't have imagined it any better. You know, I, I grew up um, right down the street from the Georgia Dome back when it was the Georgia Dome. So being able to come back and play in the Mercedes-Benz Dome is just amazing. Like, it's really a full circle moment, especially like, you know, growing up in Atlanta, you you see all these, you know, cool places and, oh, I would love to play there. Well, that would be so awesome to do that. And then having the opportunity to come back as an adult and be able to do that stuff is just amazing. Now that we're out of the game, um, just kind of looking back at, at how it played out, Ole Miss and Penn State, and, and what proved to be a loss for the Nittany Lions, James Franklin had an interesting line afterward, Caden. I'm going to just quote it here. He said, you look at last year's game, and he's referencing the Rose Bowl, and this year's game, it was different. And we need to have some healthy discussions about that as a staff and as a team and how we want to operate moving forward. Now, Penn State's not exclusive to dealing with this new reality of what do bowl games mean and, and how much do they matter for players and NFL draft prospects and all that different stuff. When you're not in the college football playoff, it opens up to a lot of questions. And we've seen that. Now, you were one of the several veterans who, by design, didn't go 60 minutes. There were a few other guys that, that were starters who didn't play at all. How would you kind of assess how it went down in December? And, and were, are there some lessons? I know you're not in that, that facility anymore, but it sounded like James Franklin wanted to get back to campus and try to come up with a better, maybe alternative path towards postseason matchups because he didn't seem to be too pleased with how it turned out this time around. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely is a, a sticky type of situation to, to have to deal with. Um, and I really don't know if there is a true um, solution to it. Um, but I do feel that, like, I, like I, I played a little bit. Like, I, I do feel like it's important sometimes that, that if you're in a position to do so, to, to, to play your last game with your guys or, you know, do as much as you can in terms of practicing and getting guys better and getting guys prepared to, to go out and play. But it is a very sticky situation. And I, I, I want to ask about the guy you filled in at right tackle when you stepped aside. But I, I first I want to kind of establish a timeline because Anthony Donka told us you know, he didn't really take any legitimate practice snaps at right tackle until after the regular season. He started piling up for him. But when did you kind of know, along with the staff, what your role was going to be in the Peach Bowl? Like, when was it pretty firmed up that you're going to be out there for the first half, and then beyond that, it's likely to be Anthony Donka's show? It was pretty early on that the coaches knew. I was very transparent with Coach Charlotte and Coach Leonard about, you know, what my plans were. And um, we kind of bounced ideas off of each other and compromised, and we got to where we were. Um, but seeing Anthony Donka go out there, I, I worked with him a lot hands-on. Um, you know, post meetings that I had with Trout and um, everyone deciding what my playing time was going to be. And being able to meet with him and, and help him get as prepared as he could for that game and then going out and watching him do what he did was just amazing. I think Anthony Duncan played a really great game in the, in the Peach Bowl. I agree with you. And, and you've spent five years at Penn State at the right tackle. I know you were, you were a little all over the place at times as a freshman, but right tackle was home for you. It sounds like it was home for him for like four weeks before he played one of the top teams in the SEC. And obviously, as we both agree here, he went out and he played well. How does that happen uh, for a guy who was exclusively playing guard in high school and exclusively playing guard for Penn State in spring ball and exclusively playing guard for Penn State through regular season? How does that happen? And what does it say about Donka? Well, 
for starters, Donko has really long arms, so that really helps his transition over the tackle. And we really just helped him mold the things that he was really good at at guard and switch it over to tackle. Um, so we just changed his kick up, his kick set up a little bit, his timing of his punch. But other than that, it was it's pretty much all the same. Um, but that just goes to show you how cerebral Anthony Donko is. He's a, a really smart guy. He's really high aptitude. Like he's picking up stuff very quickly, applying it, and it, it shows. What did you pick up from Olu Fashionu? I know he's younger than you, uh, but I, I'm assuming that you two learned a lot from each other. And he's a guy that many believe will be the top player off the board at your position in the 2024 NFL draft. Um, what stood out about him on a daily basis as you two work so closely? Yeah, so me and Lou, we would just bounce ideas off of each other. And having someone as good as Lou to bounce ideas off of and watch his film, he watches mine and gives me tips. And we just kind of, I don't want to say compare, but we just kind of mold each other, you know. Oh, I keep I, I landed my punch here. He's like, well, if I did this here, and I, like we just, it's such a good like offensive line thing. Like we just love bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, but his preparation, like we learned a lot from Trout. Um, but when we would come together as an offensive line and do our own film study, um, the the amount of work that Olu and Nick Dawkins and Hunter and me and Sal would put in was just amazing. And then coming back and bouncing these things off of each other is what would build us up. You and Olu are, are working towards your professional dreams. Congratulations to both of you. He, back here in State College, we're, we're wondering what's next at offensive tackle. We talked about Donka and what he showed. I want to go to the guy who's the most experienced remaining here at Penn State. That's Drew Shelton, someone that you know really well. Um, you were involved in that competition at right tackle throughout preseason camp. And we saw 300 plus snaps from Drew at left tackle and at right tackle during the regular season before he started at left tackle in the Peach Bowl. So for a guy to bounce around back and forth like that, how difficult is that process? And then Drew Shelton, year three, what are your expectations? I think this year is going to be a breakout year for Drew. Um, as everyone knows, he's a really great offensive lineman, whether it be at left or right or anywhere. He's just a really great athlete. And I'm excited. I mean, really excited to see what he does. And like you said, it's extremely difficult to – be able to switch positions, go from left to right. There's been games that he would play left and right in the same game. Um, he knows the guard as well. He's like a Donko in a way where he's really, really smart and is able to adapt to whatever it is getting to him. Two other uh, younger names to throw your way here, and and, uh, and Chimney Ono and then Javen Williams, uh, both of those guys we, we saw working a little bit on both sides on the practice field over the course of their first year on campus. Neither burned their red shirt, but both could be in factors in that offensive tackle conversation here 2024. Can you tell us a little bit about them individually, Chimney and Javen? Javen was the in-state five-star, and then Chimney's a guy who really no Power 5 teams were, were on him until after his senior season. All of a sudden, he, he blows up on the recruiting trail. So different paths to Penn State, but two guys that you know could be a big part of the future. Yeah, 100%. Javen's a, a really great athlete, as everyone knows. Um, and, and his whole deal this year is just going to be harnessing everything, you know, harnessing all the talents that he has and putting them together. And, and Javen knows that, so I'm really excited to see what he does. And uh, kind of same deal with Chimney. Chimney's a really great athlete. The way that he can bend and move is a lot different than uh, other people can. And so seeing how he's going to be able to tie everything together and bring that to the field is awesome. I love the way they both practice as well. They're really locked in guys, um, and they're improving every day. So I'm excited to see what they do this year. 
All right, let's talk about some old dudes in this Penn State locker room. Uh, Sal Wormley's still on the roster. He's a year six guy. We have been talking to you about whether you take your sixth year. You obviously made your decision. Sal has two years of starting experience right next to you at right guard. He also has roommate experience with you the last few years. So you know him as well as anybody I'd imagine here in Happy Valley. So Sal Wormley sticking around for year six. How big of a win is that for Phil Troutwine in Penn State? And what are some things that maybe we don't know about Sal Wormley? Maybe fans don't know about Sal Wormley that that is going to add a key component to this 2024 team. Sal is a worker. So Sal coming back is going to be a major um, improvement to the offensive line. He's going to be a mainstay at right guard or wherever they decide to put him. Um, but he's an extremely smart guy. And the way that he's working and approaching this next season is just going to be awesome. And I'm really excited for Sal, too. Like you said, that's my roommate. Um, it was a little somber moment having to leave him, but um, he's doing well. So I'm keeping in contact with him, make sure he's doing good. So really, yeah, miss, I, really miss I know you'll miss him. And the other guy that I'm sure you'll miss is Nick Dawkins, because who doesn't love Nick Dawkins, right? Um, and he's a guy that, that got a chance to, to really gain some momentum here as the backup center in 2023 after missing most of his 2022 year with an injury. You you probably spent a lot of time with him uh, with the trainers in 2022 that fall. So here in 2024, th there's a few names that are, could be in the mix for center, but certainly with his personality, uh, with his experience, and with his age now as a year five guy, he's in the spotlight at that spot. What do you make a, a, of, of Nick Dawkins, the offensive lineman, and Nick Dawkins, the locker room presence? Well, I'll start with Nick Dawkins, the, the locker room presence first. Um, he's an amazing leader for the team. He is a, a gatherer of men. He's a communicator. Um, the way that he brings people together for fellowship is just amazing. Um, and he really, really drives the culture of our program, um, probably more than anyone else on, on, that's a player or on the staff. Like wow. Nick is a true leader. Like he, his future is is through the ceiling. And I'm very excited to see what he does in the field this year as well. The way that he's been developing throughout this past fall has been really, really great. Trout and him have been really delving into work together uh, to get him prepared for, for starting uh, a new position or starting a new line, you know, next year, a new a new set of guys next year. So he's he's really, really good. I'm excited to see what he does as well. Talk about that leadership presence with Drew Aller. Um, what did that look like? The evolution from when Sean Clifford leaves campus last January after the Rose Bowl to where we are now when you leave campus and, and you're kind of moving on to the next phase of your career. What did you see from Drew Aller and in, in that elevation as a leader and generally as a commander of an offense? Yeah, so when Drew first got the job, um, over slated to get the job, he, he knew that leadership was a major point. So he never really wavered, you know, in the beginning. He was never a bad leader at all. He was always very vocal. And throughout the spring ball and fall camp and throughout the season, he just improved. He just started stacking and, and learning how to communicate better. And, like, the way that he's taken this team is, is just really awesome. I'm curious. He's a guy who had a lot going for him for a long time. A five-star guy, number one quarterback in the country here at 24-7 Sports. Um, you know, did some really good things as a freshman, and he did some really good things as a sophomore. But there were moments of adversity that I don't know that Drew has faced, You know, especially in such a spotlight, the Ohio State game, the Michigan matchup, uh, and then having the offensive coordinator dismissed during the season, who was also the quarterback's coach. How did you see Drew react to the tougher times in his first year as a starter? Well, I, I'd say that everyone can see that Drew's not a – 
Drew's not a freak out type of guy. He's a very calm, cool, collected type of person. So when things happen, Drew is staying the course. He's staying focused. He always keeps his head in the game. He's never wavering. And I feel like that's going to propel him through his next year here. Finish with uh, just a couple more here for you, Caden. Thank you so much for your time. What, what is your outlook regarding this 2024 Penn State offense and, and really the team overall? You know the ins and outs of it. You have a pretty good feel, I'd imagine, for who is on the rise. What do you feel about the capabilities of this Penn State offense and then expanding it a bit, this 2024 Nittany Lions squad? I think the sky's the limit. Um, with the, the guys they're bringing in through the portal and the addition of Coach K, it's just – the sky's the limit. I think these boys can do anything. But I think they can win it all this year. And if, if there's any year to do it, it's this year. You know, we're bringing guys back. Um, we're starting to stack different positions. I'm excited to see what they do. And to be an alumni and be able to cheer on my guys is going to be really awesome. What, what would you say is, is maybe the, the biggest advancement of the program from when you set foot on campus as a freshman to right now, at least based on your perspective? I would say NIL, but that would be an easy way out. Um, <laughs> I'd say our, our leadership. I, I feel like in the past, we would have, you know, three guys or three or four guys be leaders. And I feel like now everyone in their own right is a leader. And we have like a really good chain of command, I'd say, where it's very structured and, and people know who to look to for certain answers um, and it really flows well. And um, another big aspect of, of that on that same breath is that our old guys are really, really helping out our young guys now. We're super hands-on. We're hanging out after after practice and hanging out for hours upon hours to learn and, and bounce ideas off of each other. And I'm telling guys what I've learned um, from my freshman year to now and I'm really thinking that that's going to really help out guys in the future. Is there a guy that I haven't mentioned or you haven't mentioned on this uh, during this conversation that you want to call your shot right now and say is going to be a breakout kind of player in 2024? Anyone come to mind on either side of the ball? I'm going to say Khalil Dinkins. Okay. Room. Me and Khalil have been bouncing ideas off of each other, sharing different motivational things. Khalil's very, very locked in right now for these winter workouts and this upcoming spring ball. And I'm very, very excited to see what he does. He's, he's already done great things on the field, but I'm excited to see him step up into the spot that Theo's leaving and just him and Tyler being together on the field is going to be really, really awesome. As you prepare to take on NFL pass rushers in the future, what did working against first, you know, first team, all big 10 defensive ends, Adiza Isaac and Chop Robinson. And I know you're, you're working with Chop Robinson now down in Phoenix, but what did that experience the last couple of years and specifically as a senior do to set you up for, for what is awaiting you at the next level? Yeah. So just being like, like you said, first team, all big 10 guys, you know, being able to go against them every day in practice has been really, really great for me. Um, and we all have great relationships. So being able to talk to each other about different techniques and, oh, I'm going to swipe when I see this, and I'm going to long arm when you give me this. Um, that really, really helped me out a lot this season and, and in the season's past as well. So I'm excited to continue to work with guys like Chop and Adisa in the future as well. And Deny, me and Deny have had a, a great business relationship on the field and a great personal relationship off the field. So I'm excited to see what he does this year as well. And let's finish this with this. What do the next few months look like for you before you ultimately find out where you're headed, your, your destination, your new uniform? What are you looking to accomplish and what's kind of on, on the schedule for you? 
I got the East West Triangle coming up um, on February 1st down in Dallas, Texas. So I'm really excited for that. Be able to put on some pads again. It's only been like a month, but it's <laughs> a month too long for me. Um, and then right after that, um, I have the combine coming up at the end of February. Um, so I'm very, very excited for that to be able to showcase my athleticism, um, and be able to meet with teams and, and show them who I am. And then after that, continuing to train, um, and getting ready for the, the draft. And well, if, if I don't see you before then, uh, catch you at Pro Day back on campus sure. uh, in a couple Pro months. Day. Yep. Well. <laughs> Pretty important day on, on the calendar as well for you. But I appreciate all the conversations when you were here on campus and before you were here on campus, when you were back at the Hunt School and be following you very closely in the years to come, Caden. But uh, really uh, happy to get you on as you embark on this new journey and, and keep up the good work down in Arizona. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for your hospitality over the few, like these years that we've known each other. You're an awesome reporter. You're one of my favorites. I've said this out loud uh, to the guys on the team, to the coaches, but I really appreciate your work that you've done. And I, I think the media gets a bad rep sometimes, but I feel like you do your job very, very well. You're not a trickster. Like, I love you. Like, you're a great reporter. You're amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Make sure to work us down to those younger guys on campus now because they, they make sure that they're willing to talk with us down the road. But I appreciate it, man. Those are very kind words from you. Um, and we'll catch up soon, okay? Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Great stuff from Caden Wallace, uh, who will be getting ready for that draft in the months to come. Uh, we're going to get right into it on the recruiting trail now with Tyler Calvaruso picking up the conversation from Wednesday. And Tyler, uh, you, you just heard from Caden Wallace, and, and, it, and it's remarkable. It makes me feel old every time we have these conversations. But guys that I covered coming out of high school, and now they're going to the NFL. And that list is getting longer the, the longer I stay here on the Penn State beat. But we're going to focus on the future because we've got high school juniors about to embark uh, on, on a, a trip to campus this Saturday, the following Saturday, and the following Saturday. You have been very busy all week covering this and really all month tracking down confirmations. So is Brian Doan and Alan True and Steve Wolfong in our, in our network. But we weren't quite satisfied with this the Wednesday conversation because it's such a long list of attendees that we're going to dive in a bit more. It's definitely been a busy week, and the fact that we had such a bare bones conversation earlier in the week kind of speaks to the depth of the visitors list as it has developed over these last couple of days. You know, more and more confirmations 
have rolled in as expected. I think we always say that every time we talk about a visitor's list, you know, we're recording on a certain day, but by the time the next time we check in, that list is going to be a hell of a lot longer. and It's going to feature some bigger names. And that's what has happened here. Penn State is set its first junior day of the off season. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good group of visits coming to campus. And when I say good, I mean, it's multiple top 24, seven guys, nearly a dozen. I think we're at 11 right now, multiple multiple top targets in multiple classes. So it's a star-studded weekend. You know, it's the first of three. You got this weekend. You got the January 27th weekend. You got the first weekend of February, February 3rd. So Penn State starting things off on a really high note. A lot of interesting and intriguing prospects coming to State College this weekend. Hopefully this weather holds up and everyone that we have on the list right now can make it to town. Yeah, I know my road's currently getting cleaned up. Uh, so hopefully all the roads around town are and, and and they're able to avoid any kind of storm interruption with this planned event. Uh, and this is one that's going to feature dozens of prospect visitors. Tyler Calvariso has a full rundown of that for our VIP subscribers at lines247.com. He'll continue adding to it between now and Saturday if any more confirmations come in. So we're not going to go down that entire list right now. It wouldn't be fair to our VIP subs and it wouldn't really work out for the length of the show. But we do want to spotlight like we did on Wednesday. Wednesday, a few of the featured names here that are coming to campus. And I wanted to begin our conversation, Tyler, with a committed player. We're going to get into uh, some more local targets and, and guys who are not committed yet. But at the quarterback position, Beckham Kritza out of Fairview High School in Boulder, Colorado. He committed to the Nittany Lions back in November, very shortly after Mike Yersich was dismissed as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So a chance here to build that rapport with Andy Kotelnicki, the new offensive coordinator, and get around some of his commits. This is an important one because we're talking about a guy who's not going to have a lot of easy opportunities to come to State College considering he lives in Colorado. Yeah, normally, you know, when a commit makes it to a junior day, there's really not much to read into there. You know, normally that's just a guy who's getting to town. Most of the time, it's the more local and regional commits. Guys who are getting to town, you know, looking to play their role and do their part in building the class, helping the staff to build the class. And that's part of this weekend for Beckham Kritza. But the other part is arguably the more important part, and that's getting with Andy Kotelnicki, you know, getting more comfortable with him, learning more about him, learning more about his scheme, and learning more about Kotelnicki's plans for his development, you know, Kritza committed to Penn State when there was no offensive coordinator in place. At least, you know, publicly, that's when he announced his commitment following the fire of Mike Gertrude. There was no OC in place. Kotal Nicky was, I believe, what, two weeks away from being hired? I think it was going back to that timeline. So those two are still getting to know each other. And remember, you know, Penn State has the early quarterback commitment in Kritza. We've discussed it multiple times now. The potential for it to be a multi-quarterback class, you know, remains very much in play. So Kritz is getting to know Colton Nicky and, you know, just getting more comfortable with the rest of the staff. He already has good relationships in place in State College. So really just getting back to town, you know, getting back with those guys. And again, catching up with Colton Nicky and get more comfortable with him. That's going to be – that's probably one of the more intriguing storylines about this weekend. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it's rare that we're diving deep into a storyline surrounding a commit for a junior day, especially at this point in the offseason. Yeah, and, and and just I actually misspoke. I said that he committed, then Mike Yersich was dismissed. He was on campus for the Michigan game, which proved to be Mike Yersich's last. Mike Yersich, Mike Yersich was fired on that following Sunday, you know, the next day, 
And then I believe Kritza committed Monday. I mean, it, it was it was yeah. like bing, bang, boom. And all. it just it was like kind of a strange order of things to progress to end up with a quarterback pledge. But that's the way it worked out. And, and we'll see what happens this time. Daniel Bryan, obviously a focal point for them yes. at the quarterback position. He'll be awaiting the arrival on campus uh, of Beckham Kritza. Let's dive into uh, I know what's you know, more intriguing for a lot of our listeners and readers out there is the guys who have not yet announced any kind of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a few to work through. Let's go with uh, an in-state lineman here that, that we have covered quite extensively on the podcast because we got a long look at him the day he got his offer at a Penn State prospect camp last summer. And that's Josh Williams, who initially was planning to be in Tuscaloosa for an Alabama visit. And maybe things would have materialized a bit with the Crimson Tide this weekend. But following the retirement of Nick Saban and, and kind of things being in flux at Alabama, he has opted not to make that trip. He'll be at Penn State this weekend. He has a few more coming up, and I'll address those in a moment. But Big opportunity here for Penn State to, to refresh a bit with Josh Williams out of the Haverford School uh, here in Pennsylvania. And, and and as we've said, class president, 4.0 GPA kind of kid, and he runs a 5-1 at 300 pounds as a high school junior. There is a really intriguing combination in place here with Josh Williams. Yeah, and he had a really good junior season. That has kind of entrenched him as, you know, one of those names on the 2025 board that Penn State really would like to bring in and ultimately land. When that time comes, you know, the staff saw him play in person. I believe it was it was either late August, or early September when Haverford School played Imitep. And, you know, he was impressive that day. The junior season film wound up checking out. And, you know, like I said, he, he's definitely wanted in state college. Admittedly, I've toyed around with the idea of tossing in a crystal ball pick for Penn State to land Williams. You know, he comes from a Penn State family. He's got a good relationship with the staff, specifically Phil Trotwin. I mean, he visited for two games in September. He visited for the season opener against West Virginia, made it back to campus for the whiteout against Iowa later that month, and had a really great time, great experience, both visits. So, you know, you take all that into account, you factor in where he is on Penn State's board, and you think, you know, maybe it's time for a prediction. I'm going to hold off. I do think Penn State is in the best spot right now to get this one across the finish line. But the fact of the matter is it does seem like Williams wants to make some other visits you know, he's like you said, he's got a couple lined up. He's going to be at Michigan next weekend. He's got AM, which just offered. So that's notable. So clearly, you know, he's open to new suitors. Texas AM just jumped into the picture for Williams here recently. He's going to be making it down to College Station on February 3rd. Florida's in the running to get a visit from him. And you mentioned the former Alabama staff. You know, had he made it down there for that visit, definitely a realistic possibility that could have led to an offer from the Crimson Tide. That would have been a big one in his recruitment. And, you know, we're going to have to see if the new Alabama staff winds up circling back with him and then we have to see which other programs jump into the mix in the coming months weeks and months as well but you know this is a good opportunity for Penn State it's kind of one of those instances where you're getting him back on campus at the right time in the sense that you're getting him on campus before these other programs who are heavily involved in his recruitment do and it's just another opportunity to continue building the relationship and kind of separating yourself from the field if you're Penn State because again I do think based on all the feedback that we've received Nittany Lions are probably on top for Williams right now, but you've got some other programs pushing. So it's going to be uh, one we're keeping a really close eye on coming out of this weekend. Two more notes to mention on Williams um, for maybe people who weren't tracking you know, his, his process with us in the summer when we were discussing it on the show. Uh, but he comes from a very Penn State uh, leaning family, uh, his, his, you know, especially dad. Dad is a big oh, yeah. Penn State fan. And I can tell you when 
his dad and, and his mother as well, who's, who's become through marriage and, and, and over the years, a Penn State fan in her own right. And, and sitting down to watch games together is something this family does over years. And, and Josh Williams, long before he became a Penn State target or even a, a big time football player at the high school level, was following Penn State football. So there is some roots in place there. And, and I'm curious you know, how much it's going to be tough for so, another squad, another staff to shake him away from that kind of a situation. And the other thing here is Josh Williams is not that far removed. A conversation I had with him back in June or July following that Penn State offer, he had said, you know, coming out of his junior year, he thought that the Ivy League was his ceiling for, for football, which it's a hell of a ceiling for, for a lot of different stuff, the Ivy League, but not necessarily for football. And, and so that has changed. You're, the teams that we're mentioning, Michigan, Alabama, Florida, AM, Penn State, this is a very different recruitment process than what Josh Williams and his family anticipated six, seven months ago. So it's really cool to see that, but it, it, you know, it makes the decision uh, a little bit different. It makes the, the, the reaching the final stages of recruitment a little bit different because in the grand scheme of things, Tyler, this is a bit of a condensed recruitment process for him because the offers have come you know, right before the junior year and then in through his junior year. And now it's really the exper exploration time. So I think that this winner does his homework. We know he's a kid that that is dedicated to doing his homework. And, and that includes what he does in the recruiting trail. And I'm with you. I think it, it may be a time after these visits come February where you circle back with Williams and, and find out if he's starting to near the finish line. Of course, he's got a ways to go. He could take it all the way to, to next December if he'd like. But Penn State, if they're going to get him on board, would like to get it done earlier than that as they, they put the pieces together for their class. And uh, there's going to be a, another in-state offensive lineman that, that, that got an offer in the summer, Michael Carroll, making a trip in these next couple of weeks. He won't be here this Saturday, but Penn State getting a shot at some in-state offensive linemen. And Tyler, where else do we want to go? I know you sent me the list. I, I, I want you to take us to the next one because uh, where do you want to segue to? There are a lot of different places we go. We might as well stay in state for now. And you're actually going to talk about an unoffered prospect right now. There, there are a bunch of recruits who are making it to camp. You know, I touched on it earlier. There are a lot of priority guys who have had offers for a long time. And, you know, and that goes for 2025 and 2026 targets. But there's also a really interesting group of uncommitted recruits making it to town. I mean, Marco Jones from California is a top 100 linebacker who's making a cross-country trip without an offer from the New England Lions. He's going to be in town. Nolan Davenport's an intriguing offensive tackle from Ohio. He's new to the position. He's a high three-star recruit. You know, he's kind of got some of those traits Phil traveling likes in his tackles. He's athletic. He's got a high ceiling projection-wise. He's mobile. The athleticism is there. But the one guy I really want to talk about right now is the in-state tight end, Andrew Olish. You know, he doesn't have an offer from Penn State right now, but he's on the Power 5 radar. He has multiple Power 5 offers, and the Navy Lions have been keeping a pretty close eye on him. You know, he's got a lot going for him in terms of pass-catching ability, athleticism. You know, when he visits, he's been around a bunch. He's visited multiple times, attended multiple games this past season. And, you know – when he visited, he was a little bit on the lighter side for a tight end. I believe if we go back and look, he was barely tipping 200 pounds on the scale. He was probably around that 195, you know, 200, maybe 201 range. But I got the chance to catch up with him earlier this week, and he told me he recently just – actually, I believe it was earlier this week he weighed in at 212 pounds. So, you know, the physical development is taking place. I think that's an important aspect of his recruitment. And, you know, point blank, he, he's been very open about what a Penn State offer would mean for his recruitment. I, I think it would shake things up for him in a really big way. So he's going to be a guy that I'm keeping a close eye on coming out of this weekend. One of many I'm going to be keeping a close eye on coming out of this weekend. You know, Ty Howell has put Penn State in a position to take some pretty big swings at yeah. tight end, given what he has accomplished on the recruiting trail. 
got Luke Reynolds, who developed into a five-star recruit. Andrew Appiah was one of the best tight ends in the nation in the 2023 class. So there's a big group of tight ends that Penn State is after. But given Olish's current trajectory, you know, maybe he's one of those guys who kind of forces his way into the forefront of the conversation. You know, we're going to have to see what comes of his visit. You know, the staff's going to get eyes on him and make a determination. But uh, he's definitely a guy who has been on the radar behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and at six foot five, out of Southern Lehigh High School, uh, up to about ten offers. A few of them from the Power Five level. We'll see what, what Penn State chooses to do here uh, with his recruitment process. It is going to be a big uh, weekend, though, for for tight end recruiting, which isn't surprising considering uh, the attention that they have created with that position every year. Their starter at the position seems to end up as a at least a day two pick in the NFL draft. That's what we expect for for Theo Johnson again, probably as he makes his exit. And then Tyler Warren's going to be set up for for NFL success down the road as well, returning as a starter in 2024. But Luca Gilbert is a big-time player that we're expecting on campus to, out of uh, Lakota West High School in Ohio. He's a six foot seven, 230-pound, four-star tight end prospect. So uh, just an example there. But a good call with Olish. It's not always about the, the, uh, the splashy, highly-rated guys with these junior days. So much of it is about, is this the moment? Is this the interaction? Is this the day? That gets you to the tipping point, and all of a sudden, a guy goes from being on your peripheral to being on your target board. And then these are the kind of events that that can change things a bit. Um, going up the road a little bit uh, up to New England, uh, Hamden Hall in Connecticut. Uh, we have seen Penn State pluck plenty of talent from the New England region, cycle by cycle. You referenced one of them just now, Luke Reynolds, the five-star uh, tight end. So Keno Johnson, wide receiver, a guy that's got a cluster of Power Five offers. Nebraska, Indiana. Indiana have also offered from the Big Ten Conference. Why did you want to spotlight him today? You know, Johnson camped at Penn State during the summer, and he was very impressive. You know, he, he probably did enough to earn an offer that day, but the Penn State staff decided to, you know, monitor him from that point on, see how the junior season went, and his tape definitely checked out. He's another guy who's undergoing a pretty solid physical transformation. You know, he's putting on some really good weight, and he's just in a place where the Penn State staff really likes him. And getting him back on campus, you know, again, get eyes on him, see where he's at, see how the relationship comes together. Because he hasn't been back for a while. You know, that camp, I believe it was the final prospect camp of the summer in late July. That's when he was in town. That was the last time he was in town. But he has spoke very highly of wide receivers coach Marcus Hagens, and he feels Hagens is a guy he could work with and, you know, kind of take his development to the next level. So there's definitely some mutual interest between Johnson and Penn State right now. So uh, getting him back, yeah, that's another one that's going to be kind of intriguing. You know, he he's, he hasn't drawn a lot of attention. He's not – he doesn't have a ranking on 24-7 sports just yet, but pretty good player, had a pretty good solid junior season. The testing numbers were really impressive, and we got the chance to see him in person. And he was winning his fair share of reps that day. So uh, I can see why this offer went out, and I can see why the level of interest is where it is right now. Uh, a bigger frame uh, for, for a junior in high school at six foot one, 190 pounds at the receiver position. Not as big though as Lyric Samuel, who's six foot three, 175 pounds. He's got some filling out to do a little bit, but the height is there, the length, the extension. Um, and he's somebody that really stands out when you pop on the tape. We got a chance to see him, I believe, at a couple camp events last year, at least one. And he's just somebody that. He's a matchup issue, and I assume he's going to continue to keep growing here as he's only three quarters of the way through his high school career. All that being said, he's considered the number one player in the state of New York for the 2025 cycle. He's out of Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn, New York, and, and this will remind you that Penn State signed one of the premier players out of New York last cycle, and that was also a wide receiver in Josiah Brown. So what do we make of Lyric Samuel, his 
body of work as a prospect to this point and where he might stack up on Penn State's target board at a really important position. Yeah, Penn State's done pretty well in New York recently. You mentioned Brown, Todd Blanding, the 2023 class. So could Samuel be the next guy? You know, Erasmus Hall is not a program Penn State has traditionally had success at, but I like where things are trending with Lyric Samuel right now. His junior, he's another guy who's, you know, junior season film wound up checking out. You know, Penn State staff would welcome him on board right now, as far as I know. So, you know, him getting him back to campus, he's visited Penn State a bunch. You mentioned the camp. He was at that second elite showcase prospect camp back in June and did a lot of good things that day. You know, kind of solidified his standing on the board for the staff as a guy like, hey, look, you know, we really like him. We like what he could potentially bring to the table here. You mentioned the frame. That's a point of intrigue. You know, big bodied wide out on the outside. Could definitely add something to Andy Kolonicki's offense and Marcus Hagan's wide receiver depth chart in that regard. You know, he doesn't have a ton of offers right now, which kind of surprises me to some degree. Because I think he's probably a better prospect than his offer list might indicate. But Penn State staff likes him. He's going to be back. I believe this is going to be his seventh trip. To Penn State. It, it's either his sixth or his seventh. I'm going to have to go back and cross-check that, but uh, he's been a state college bunch. I think that speaks to his level of interest, and the relationship between him and Hagens is pretty good, so that's definitely another one. One of many. Again, you got to keep an eye on coming out of this weekend. Let's finish this list up on the defensive side of things. Another four-star uh, prospect on the list here, and a, a top 150 prospect, actually, in 24-7 sports assessment. Trent Wilson out of Dr. Henry Wise High School in Maryland. He's been at a few different schools over the course of his prep career down in Maryland. That's where he is now. And, and he's got a, a busy schedule upcoming. He's got Penn State this weekend, going to Florida State next weekend, uh, staying home in a home state to, to visit the Maryland Terps on, on the first Saturday of February for their junior day and then he's planning on going to Oklahoma in March so there is I think 25 to 30 teams on his offer sheet Penn State has had him on campus a couple times going to get another chance here I think Penn State's stacking up some 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 positive things in this recruitment process which is clearly national variety it has the relationship with Dion Barnes has played a pretty big part in that coming together where to the point where you know, it's still really early with Williams. I think he's still vetting a lot of his options, but it seems like Penn State is kind of standing out above the pack right now. Barnes is a big reason why there's comfort between those two. He's been involved in his recruitment since Wilson was an underclassman back when he was at St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. So those two have a pretty long-standing relationship. And, you know, I mentioned all these recruitments. I, oh, we got to keep an eye on coming out of this weekend. This probably isn't one of them because Wilson has indicated that his recruitment is going to play out a little bit longer, potentially even more towards the beginning of the early signing period in December. So Trump Wilson is probably going to be a guy we're talking about, you know, in the coming months, you know, right now, Penn State has put itself in a pretty good spot. I anticipate if this visit goes well, which likely will because him and Barnes are pretty tight. He's a guy who could easily be back in the spring for spring ball. And that could lead to an official visit being mm -hmm. scheduled. But again, it's still pretty early for Wilson. So we're kind of trying to get a feel for exactly where things are, but we do know Penn State has acquitted itself quite well with him early on. Yeah, six foot three, 270 pounds, the number 15 defensive lineman in the country and the number five prospect in Maryland for the 2025 cycle. A Penn State, quite frankly, cleaned up with defensive linemen in Maryland last recruiting cycle with what they were able to bring to campus. So we'll see if lightning strikes again and they're able to get that done. But um, a bunch of names there to know. What do our listeners need to know about the coverage that's coming to Lions 24-7 this weekend? Stay tuned because there's going to be a lot of it. We got a lot of feedback coming for these guys. And given the quality of talent on campus, you're definitely going to want to be locked in to see what some of these guys have to say about their experience. Not going to ask you to name names, but in terms of seeing this 2025 class expand, which right now it's at seven total commits, ranked eighth in the country by 24-7 sports assessment. 
What do you think about the possibility that when we sit back down for a podcast early next week and kind of recap what went down on the weekend, that a commitment is part of that discussion? I think it's definitely possible. I'll, th I'll throw a name out there. Alex Tate, the in-state linebacker from Latrobe. Uh, I think Penn State has done really, really well with him. You know, I touched on it this morning in my Tidbits article and multiple good relationships with the staff. Manny D the change from Manny Diaz to Tom Allen, you know, Diaz going to do didn't change his level of interest in Penn State, didn't lessen it in any other way. He's been around campus a bunch. Really, you know, as an in-state guy, really likes the Nittany Lions. One of those recruitments where I mean, I've been saying it for a while, I'd be surprised if he didn't wind up at Penn State in the end. And, you know, we saw it last January. Anthony Specka made it to campus for a junior day visit, got back with the staff, got back with Dan Connor specifically, who has also played a big part in Tayshia's recruitment. Those two were pretty tight, and he was committed to Penn State a few days after. I could see a similar trajectory here with Tayshia. Probably going to pop into crystal ball pick here soon. Uh, the, I, I, I'd say you didn't have to throw a name, and you did. That's I got, why I love I you, Tyler. We really appreciate that. And, and Alex Tate, uh, about 15 offers to his name at this point. And, and we'll see if maybe Tom Allen can pick up his first official addition as linebackers coach and defensive coordinator. We know he brought Kari Jackson to campus uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago as a linebacker, but that was somebody who committed to, to Manny Diaz and signed with, with the program before Allen got to town. Tom Allen, Andy Kotelnicki, uh, just two of the uh, several staff members who are relatively new on campus. Uh, they got a new special teams coordinator in town, too. They yep. got new analysts. So a, a lot of opportunities to get face to face with some of these guys that I'm imagining they've broken ice with through phone contact or messaging or what happened. Next step can happen for some of these newer staff members today, and that includes Tom Allen. Tyler, really appreciate your perspective on, on things leading up to this junior day for the last couple episodes. I'll be following your coverage at lines247.com and contributing where I can as well. Uh, but we'll catch up with you on the next episode of the podcast, see what went down, and we'll already have another junior day to start looking forward to next Saturday. Yep, appreciate it, man. All right. Good stuff from Tyler Calvaruso. You can catch all of his coverage at lines247.com. Does a great job for us on a daily basis. 30% off right now to get your foot in the door at lines247.com uh, for a full VIP subscription. So don't delay on that. Now's the time with three big recruiting weekends in front of us here in Happy Valley and a bunch ahead of us here when it comes to preparing for spring, uh, all the winter feedback we're going to get from Penn State's football program. So although this is quote unquote the off season for football, uh, you may have noticed it is quite busy around here in terms of coverage uh big thanks again to Caden Wallace for hopping on the show with us for about a half hour today as he's getting ready to, to work his way toward an NFL career and we'll see where it leads him but we got a close-up look at, at how things went for him five years in Happy Valley and it's really cool to see someone get the finish on a high note after maybe some moments of self-doubt along the way and Caden Wallace was kind enough to join us today I hopeful that we will hear from a few more NFL draft prospects out of Penn State in the coming weeks, in months. Uh, but for now, we're going to step aside. We'll get to this weekend. We'll see what happens, and we'll come back and put together the pieces on another episode of the Line 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He was Tyler Calvaruso. Before that, we had Caden Wallace. And on behalf of our entire Lions 24-7 community, thanks for tuning in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. 
As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.